for getting started. Alrighty, fellas, we're back. Episode 13. We are super privileged. We got a couple of California's finest joining us today. We have a guest host, Gene Ramirez, Coach Ramirez from Monroe High School, uh, out in the LA City section in the the new hotbed of wrestling, the Valley, <laughs> San Fernando Valley. It is hotbed for other things before, but definitely it's wrestling now. And we have, of course, the man, the man who like really honestly basically put wrestling shoes style on the forefront, I would say. Uh, Mr. Fernando Rat Serrato. How you guys doing today? Yeah, what's up, man? Real good. Real good. Happy to have you guys on. Thank you guys for taking this Sunday night to uh, to join Josh and I, uh, the loyal, the faithful podcasters. Um, <laughs> oh, throwing shade already on the other guys, I'm, huh? I'm pretty sure we've had more special guests than we've had Mario on the podcast, which is sad. Wow. So, <laughs> is, he not, is he not back from his tournament? No, no, he, he he's back. He's just, uh, he's got to go to Farmer's Market on Sunday nights, unfortunately. So he's got to uh, stock up. Right. I don't know if he's juicing yeah. or something. <laughs> or getting waxed. I think, I think he's on some sort of cleanse. I think it's what it is. Yeah. So he's always, he's always busy. And of course the topics that we're going over today, I know he really wanted to be on today. So uh, yeah. I know he's in our thoughts and prayers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow. Uh, uh, can I show the thing that I was going to do with, uh, for Mario? I thought he was yeah. going to be here. Let's see. Let's see. Show Hold on. Let's see. So I wanted to like throw a little tribute to him. But of uh, the club that I was going to start over here called Fauna Monsters. <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate What is it? An imitation? It's the sincerest form of flattery? Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. But, you know, I'm not wearing no green tights like he does. Oh, well, it's, there's plenty of room for him. Uh, oh. but, I, but again, I think it's very accurate, the, the bear you have above him. Oh, but wait, is that the new clothing line that I see? Oh, yeah, there's another one. Hold on. Oh, look at this. Ramirez is like his on get this one. with this Dude, Photoshop. This calling line, these tournaments that I'm going to be holding, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you need some shoe insight, man. I got you. There we oh, go. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, can you guys pronounce that? Zymar? Zerimar? I don't even know where to begin with. Zerimar, man. Zerimar. <laughs> I could already hear uh, Sandy Stevens yelling at it uh, at Fargo next year. <laughs> so, anyhow, Fernando, thanks for coming on. We appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate uh, you guys. Yeah. Your family's quickly becoming like one of the first family of girls wrestling uh, here in California. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy, man. We're blessed, you know, that that our girls and you know my son have uh, you know want to step on the mat and you know continue the path that mom and dad kind of. <clears throat> you know started and you know it's fun it's stressful but you know i wouldn't have it any other way so that's pretty cool well that's awesome i think you guys are honestly like a real true like uh testament to what i've been saying for years because when i would get into it with coaches about how important girls wrestling is and how girls wrestling is essentially going to save wrestling in my opinion because if you have i mean obviously if dad wrestled junior is going to wrestle you know, at some point in his yeah. life, he's going to give it a shot. But if mom and sure. dad both wrestled, you bet not only is Junior going to wrestle, but so is Susie, so is, you know, 
the little ones yeah. are they're all gonna wrestle. You know, and you guys are like definitely like demonstrating that. You know. Yeah, you know, mom, mom and I just provide the the resources that we can in order for them to succeed, and you know, we'll drive you know all all over and and provide whatever we need to provide in order for them to succeed. But you know, the the crazy thing is that you know we really are not pushing them. You know, we we I'm honest honest with them, and I tell them what they need to do in order to achieve their goals, and you know, and they put in the work. And is it a fight sometimes? Absolutely, but you know, there is no crazy mom and dad scenario at Cerrado's household. It's just brutally honest communication from a father standpoint and a mother standpoint. And, you know, they're blessed to have um, great mentors like Jordan and Adeline and, and other athletes that we can reach out to and, and they can get on the phone and communicate with them and they can hear it from a different source, you know. So um, they're definitely spoiled at times and, and blessed at the same time. Dude, what are you talking about they're spoiled? As a parent, bitch, you're spoiled. You know how hard it would it would be to be like, hey, you know what? You don't believe me? Pick up the phone right now. Hit 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 the first contact. That's Jordan. Ask Jordan what that's the limit chance what, what what I'm saying is true. That's spoiled. <laughs> yeah, definitely blessed from our standpoint as well, right? I mean, just uh, yeah, it's definitely cool to have those guys and you know as friends and in your contact list for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I know when I saw Jordan at your house, I'm just like, the first time I saw it, I was like, what? You got to be kidding me. You know, like, yeah, I mean, we obviously see you in the work environment, having them, you know, with yeah. you. Like that. But on the other side of it, you know, just seeing on the, on the personal side, having the kids together, them hanging out at the house. I mean, that's awesome. That's really cool, especially from a kid from Santa Ana. Who I mean, let's yeah. face it, man. Not a lot of kids get out of that area. And, and before we get into that, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about you and about where you when you started wrestling, where you come from, all that good stuff? Because I mean, yep. seeing you where you are, I don't think people really understand exactly the journey that you had. Yeah, it's definitely been the struggle and obstacles, you know. And uh, I grew up in Santa Ana. I was the youngest of uh, three boys, and my my middle brother wrestled. And you know, my goal and aspirations was to play shortstop for the LA Dodgers and you know, I watched the Sandlot and watched the 88 World Series, and I was a big fan of the sport. And obviously, the dollars that kind of uh, they get paid was definitely a motivation. But, you know, um, heading into my freshman year that summer, um, I got caught for tagging. And, you know, I was heading in the wrong path, hanging out with the wrong people. And I took tagging. a lot for everybody. Okay. okay, hang on. I'm not going to let that go. Tagging? Come on. What was yeah, it? Yeah, man. What was it? <laughs> That's something that yeah, like, would you tag Chaka? You know, Chaka, hey, that's my cousin. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't that cool. <laughs> I wasn't that cool. That guy, that guy's a legend in the tagging world. Dude, that guy was leaving the courthouse and tagged the elevator. <laughs> he did. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That, that guy was a real gangster, man. Dude, that guy, yeah, no Fs given. But uh, sorry about that. So no, go ahead. No, it's all good. It's all good. So, you know, um, you know, both of my parents are immigrant. I, I think my, my dad had like a fifth, fifth grade education, my mom a third edu third grade education, and they came to the States, you know, for the, for the vision and, and, you know, to, to live the, you know, the American dream. And um, <clears throat> basically got arrested. I came home. My mom and my dad kind of gave me their, their story and how they left their families to provide a better environment for us. And they kind of gave me, you know, they didn't even whip me. They just gave me the biggest field trip. You, you, yeah. you didn't get the chancla? I didn't get the chancla. That was the first time that oh. I ever broke the rules and I didn't get a whipping. I got, you know, my, my an honest uh, conversation, man-to-man -man conversation from my father and the biggest guilt trip. And 
I said the you disappointment. Know, and I got, the disappointment. Yeah, was, and, you, was and the you know, my thing. dad never sh- never showed that, and for me, that that really impacted me. And um, so basically, that entire summer, I was locked locked inside the house, and um, I went to a wrestling practice with my middle brother, and uh, it was at El Medina High School summer league, and I'm wearing my Cortezes and my Ben Davis, uh, you know, shorts, <laughs> and, and um, I'm in El Medina High School, and. Some random kid, you know, maybe 90 pounds, hits me up. And he's like, hey, man, you want to wrestle? And I said, nah, I don't like to roll around with guys, sweaty guys. And then, uh, you know, 20 minutes later, he came back. He asked me again, and I said no. And he called me a wussy. And um, and I didn't take that very kindly because I was a kid from Santa Ana, you know, a tough kid from Santa Ana. And we went out there and wrestled. And, and it, the crazy thing is, and I tell my kids the story, and they think it's so hilarious. I felt like there was five of those guys on top of me. Like, he was in every way, shape, or form just beating me up. We got off the mat. He beat me up. And um, I did what the next guy would do. And I went and found the smallest you know, guy, the smallest guy in the room and tried to beat him up just to kind of put some pride back in myself. And I barely beat him. And uh, Scott Glad <laughs> saw me wrestle and got off the mat, bought me a Gatorade, and basically just – had me be a pair of wrestling shoes and was like, you're going to be a wrestler. You're going to wrestle. And, um, you know, my brother kind of, you know, supported that. And, you know, that was the only thing that I could do that summer. So I did it. And um, it just never stopped after that. Okay. Nice. So so then there wasn't, like, wrestling in your background then. There was no history nah. of it, nothing like that. Just nah. coming through, huh? I think probably the disappointment of my dad – it was enough for me to do a lot of things, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, he never gave me a hard time. He whooped my butt a lot and I deserved it a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think the one time that he sh- showed genuine disappointment in me, it was just like, man, I- I'll never forget that day. It was terrible. So, so I guess. Yeah. And then you had, yeah. a, you had a pretty successful career in high school. I did. You know, um, I wasn't, I wasn't serious still, you know, I, I really loved the sport and I was still kind of, halfway in in terms of following the right path and, and halfway out and hanging out with the wrong crew. And, um, and not, it, you know, it wasn't until Sadie Morales and Ignacio Bejina and, and Tony Perez and, you know, all those guys kind of, kind of recreate this brotherhood. And, um, all we did was train and, and we kept wrestling and, and we just started getting really good and starting meeting people we shouldn't be beating. And for me, that just kind of motivated me. And I just started, like, talking to Coach Vince Silva. You know, I asked him one time, I said, Coach, what do I need to do in order to succeed? I want to be a champion. And he goes, shut your mouth, show up to practice, and and run through brick walls for me. And I just did that. And, uh, you know, I ended up winning two CIF titles. I was the first Masters champion. Um, Disappointing. I mean, you know, for me, it was disappointing fifth place in the state championships. I ended up tech falling the state champion earlier at Masters and, um, you know, won a JC State title, finished third, ended up coaching at Boston University, going to school out there, so everything like that. Yeah. No, I, I just remembered seeing you make that transfer, you know, when you got done with your JC career and then seeing you sign on over at, at Boston University, I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, knowing when yeah. you came stuff like that, it's always good to see somebody you know getting it out. Oh, I appreciate know? that, man. It, it was definitely uh, it was it was definitely um, a sacrifice because I'm the youngest um, of three boys and 
you know, my mom was so angry at me when I told her I was moving to Boston because I'm her baby. And she stopped talking to me for like a week and a half because I was leaving. She even offered to, you know, she was like, hey, go to Cal State Fullerton. You don't even have to work. I'll get a second job and just wrestle and focus in school and you can get the same education here. But, you know, my, my coming from a Hispanic background, they didn't really understand the levels of universities and, and, and you know, and how it just how that opens up different different opportunities in terms of real life, you know, and uh, I still kind of did it. And, you know, my mom was mad and, and it worked out, you know, and now she's telling me I go visit her and she's like, what do you, what's the game plan for the girls? Where are they going to go to school? Why, you know, doing yeah. some money for, for them to wrestle, you know, you're, you should talk to your brother and have his kids wrestle. And she's all about it now. She so. sees it as, as the gateway now, huh? Yeah. 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 That's, that's funny. You say it like that too, because I know, and, and Ramirez, you can maybe chime on this too. I know for me, like I snuck off to wrestle at Cuesta. I met my now oh, wife. Wow. And uh, I told my parents on Thursday and I was gone on Friday. And they were like, what? Like, you know, you're dating this girl for a year and now you're moving and you have a daughter down here. But I only have my daughter every other weekend. So they were just like, mm -hmm. nope, stay here at work. That was kind of the big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, in our household was graduate high school. College was kind of a nice thing, but not a priority. And then, uh, and you had to work. So I had a kid at 17. So, um, you know, then when I went off and then when I sent my daughter off to college, it was like, what? Like, you're mm -hmm. going to send her to Missouri? And it was, they, they were, she's not ready. She's not mature enough. She's not, all these yeah. things, you know? And yeah. it's like, look, it's the best thing for her. I, it's not that I wanted to yeah. know, you know, it's, it's scary, you know, but yeah. the other side of it, I mean, it was, it was a good thing, you know? And I mean, at least because you went out there with Monica, correct? Like she, she went out there with you. Yeah, she, yeah. So, I mean, so. you know, the crazy thing is we met in junior college and, you know, it was nothing serious. I had tunnel vision, you know, to, to kind of get past the JC level and, and go D1. And um, she just basically sat me down and was like, hey, I'm not ready to give this up. I'm going to go out there. And, you know, um, I basically just told her, I said, hey, li listen, nah, I'm down for that, but we can't can't like accept your your parents money if we go out there it's just you and i and we're gonna have to struggle and if you're down for that then let's go and if you're not then don't come because it's just gonna be a distraction mm -hmm. and she bit the bullet she came out and you know as much as uh it was it was stressful at times because we didn't have food to eat and we sneak into the cafeteria and, and eat food and sneak food out um you know it made us grow grow up a lot faster because it was just her and i you know so now that we're dealing with the kids and this whole wrestling dynamics and all that, you know, it's still her and I just trying to check away and trying to provide for these kids. So it's an awesome partnership. Nice. Uh, Ramirez, how was your college experience? You know what? I had no support whatsoever. I used to get home from school and all I got asked is what you want for dinner. That was it. Never do you have homework. How was school today? Where you plan on going to college? It was all self-driven. Um, so I'll be honest with you. My mom, you know, she's proud of that. You know, that I was, uh, you know, on my own feet most of the time. I've been working since I was 14 years old. And, and she knows that I'm a hard worker. So when she knows I put my head to something, she, she just leaves me alone. That's pretty much it. That, that's what, that's kind of how I was raised. The little boy in the corner playing with his Legos, being creative or riding his bike out in Los Angeles somewhere. That's my story. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Awesome. I know Josh. Josh, I mean, Josh's dad, I know, was, was pretty supportive of his wrestling and stuff like that. But well, what was it for you, Josh, you know, after high school, what was the plan? For, did your parents have a plan for you? Yeah. 
Uh, well, Fernando made the right decision not going to Cal State Fullerton because I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who was it, the coach then? It was, was Archer. Ar- 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, unfortunately, Christian Holiday was on his way out the year I came in. Like, literally, we missed each other by a couple months, and now we're coaching together. But it would have been nice to have somebody that was, like, responsible and mature uh, there, even though he was probably only 24 years old, 23. Uh, I, I mean, we, we literally missed plane rides to tournaments we missed buses we forgot to rent vans uh it was pretty it was pretty disorganized for the time i was there romper room yeah it was romper room it was like you talk to guys that you had you know been on national team trips with and stuff and you're calling them in camps and you're hey man are you guys wrestling yet and they're like oh yeah we've been wrestling for two months aren't you're not wrestling no we're playing ultimate frisbee and soccer every day That's right. He loves soccer, man. Yeah, into this, like we're in the season and we're playing (laughs) soccer and ultimate frisbee. It was like, it was fun, but not really the best for developmental uh, stuff as a wrestler. Drop the program, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear everybody's uh, different stories. You know, I mean, I was I'm super like I mean, you guys see my parents still to this day at, at the events. Yeah. I mean, they're super yeah. supportive. You know, and they they do everything they can for us. And I mean, like Fernando and his, is with his kids. You know, my parents would pack all of us in the car just for my me yeah. to wrestle. And I don't think anybody knew me because I wrest like I was a good wrestler. They knew me because my family was a loud Mexican family in the corner with no yeah. shame. They were like, <laughs> like they were going crazy. You know. Win or lose, I can that, never that, that reminds me of one story, man. I'll share with you guys. It's so funny. My parents only came to watch me maybe a handful of times, like three different times. Once, once against Calvary, and um, and then maybe Edison, and the third time was at uh, Freestyle State here at, um, uh, what was that university uh-huh. here in Orange? They, they like, Chapman. the lights went out. Chapman. Yeah, Chapman University. We, we had state games that year there. And, um, you know, my brother was a big-time gangster, and, and my dad had no shame. He just figured out how to get on the floor. And I'm in the semifinals wrestling Curtis Sure Camp, and all of a sudden I hear, like, Mex- white Mexican slang gangsterish, and it's my brother in the corner yelling against Donnie Garriott, um, <laughs> ask, telling me what to do, you know. And Donnie Garriott looks at my brother, and he doesn't say anything to him, and Donnie stops <laughs> coaching me, and I think Tito Ortiz was in the corner as well. And all I heard was my brother, and I ended up winning that match. So I ended up kind of, like, looking at my brother, and I was like, what are you doing here? He's just like, dude, you just got to, you know, in his gangster talk, you just got to wrestle hard. You got to go after that fool. This, this, man. That. Yeah, him. yeah. Fuck him up, eh? like, uh, Oh, my God. I can't even say the things that my brother was saying. And then I, 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 I turned next to my brother. Tell me. Tell me he was power rangering in the corner, dude. He was grabbing his belt buckle, dude. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. He had a wife beater on. Oh, dude, with the yeah, the pedal tip pulled over his arm. Oh, yeah, dude. The, the, the house shoes. And it, you know what's crazy? It was like a thousand degrees that night, that day. And he's still rocking pants. It's crazy. Hey, creased, right? Yeah, the big oh, yeah. crease. Dude. They were so starched, dude. I think they were robot. He looked like he was like a robot. I don't even think those pants were like bending and stuff. You dude, know? My, <laughs> my sister could literally take her pants off and stand them up. I think her and her and her friends would crease their boxers too. Like they would yeah. crease, them, you know, just yeah, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I remember like I ended up winning that tournament and I had Curtis Shear camp in the finals and 
you know, Curtis and I were laughing at the fact that my brother and my dad were there in the corner. And then, you know, after the finals, I was doing some sprints in the back and I was talking to uh, Donnie Gary and I think it was either Noodle or Tito and, or Carl Berenger. And I said, you guys, why'd you guys let my family down there? And I remember Donnie saying, Donnie saying have you seen your brother? He's like, what, you going to argue with him? I ain't going to argue with him. And then they started asking each other, you going to argue with him? They're like, no, man. And um, I was so embarrassed, you know, here I am winning a state title and my brother's like nonsense on the mat, you know, thinking he's Dan Gable coaching me. And I was just like, oh, my God. Dude, it would have been awesome if he had like a hairnet on and just oh, like, oh my God. cornered up. <laughs> With the lokes on. <laughs> throwing it up on the podium after you're done. Like, <laughs> Oh, dude. It was oh. funny because he was, he was just saying some nasty things, man. I had to tell him like, bro, you can't. Listen, man, I love you, and you can come and support me all you want, but you can't be talking smack to people like that, man. Like, this is not the hood. <laughs> it's funny, too. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's just Latinos or whatever, but you win a small tournament, dude. Oh, he's like, my son's a state champion. You know, it's like, <laughs> you can win any tournament, you know. He's the best, you know. <laughs> you know but, hey, I mean, bro, in my mom's eyes, I was a world champ, bro. She yeah. Said that, so <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll just let her believe that I was a world champ. So Meanwhile, it's all you, good. You, you go outside at that time, and the Calvary parents are like, yelling at their kid for getting choked out at Masters. Oh, you know? <laughs> getting one takedown on them, et cetera. You know, it's crazy, man. That's, that's, that's incredible. Oh, so... So where so so then you go from from Boston to 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 where, like how does the so I I transitioned into um to uh, a TA at Santa Ana High School with Glab and, and spent two years there and then I had the opportunity to um, kind of establish ourselves with Wrestling Mart you know so I, that's where my career really took off and Mike Applegate and Bob Lake were big time mentors and you know Mike really taught me the business side of 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 how to run a business and luckily it was you know wrestling. So it was uh, intriguing to me. <laughs> From there, I met Aaron Creasy, and he moved me over to Clinch Gear, and I spent uh, three and a half years there. And then, you know, it's crazy. Um, sometimes you just, it's opportunities and who you know and just kind of putting your head down and working hard. And, and um, you know, Bill Farrington, he was the head, the, the head team guy for ASICS. He reached out to me. I knew him from John Azevedo and Coach Glad from FCA. And he basically just told me, he goes, hey, man, I got this opportunity for you to come in at ASICS and, you know, help develop the global wrestling shoes. And he's like, unfortunately, it's a step down on where you're at. But, you know, I think if you come in and you just establish yourself, you can really move forward. And, I mean, at that point, I sat down with my wife and I just said, hey, man, we're going to have to eat top ramen for the next year because I'm going to take a $20,000 pay cut and I'm going to go work for ASICS. And, and, uh, and everything worked out. I got promoted, um, became a global manager within two years. And, you know, not only influenced the global development for the wrestling shoes, but for tennis, volleyball, uh, baseball, some basketball in Japan, and even soccer. So it was, uh, you know, my team was, was fantastic. Uh, working with the Japanese was definitely a, a good uh, learning uh, tool. And, um, you know, and working with the athletes that, you know, like Jordan and Gable and Adeline and Rulon, Kale, um, you know, it's definitely a blessing because I'm a big fan of them. So it was kind of surreal that I was there working with them and kind of designing their shoes. Now, at what point do you sit down and look around like, shit, from Santa Ana to here? You know, I mean, seeing you on Instagram, like you're in Japan and you're, you're flying out and stuff like that. Like, yeah. at what, is there ever a point where you just sit there and just like, damn, 
you know, all the time, man. I didn't take that for granted. I knew that, you know, that was just uh, my hard work and, you know, it could, it could, it could be gone the next day. And, and I definitely, you know, lived the life into the max with, you know, and I, and I continue to work hard and, and hit the pavement. And, you know, I sacrificed a lot of time away from home in order to provide for them and to kind of get my career in the right path. And, you know, luckily, uh, everything has worked out and, you know, everything kind of streamlined now and, you know, I get to spend a lot of more time with my kids. So, yeah. So Fernando, take us into like the development of a shoe. I know like molds get destroyed after the first generation. <clears throat> yeah. Take us into like, how do you work with the athlete? How much, how much input does like Jordan Burroughs actually have on his shoe or Dan Gable well, or you guys just present them something and they, yeah, I don't, you know. Little changes. Yeah, yeah, it all depends on the athlete, to be honest with you. Gable was super easy, you know, when we were trying to concept shoes. Uh, and Gable was just like, hey, I just want the most comfortable wrestling shoe on the planet, and I need a, I need a black and gold version, Iowa colors. So <laughs> that was fairly, fairly simple. So we would just, you know, show him designs and color uh, concepts, and he would be, that's fine, that's cool with me, you know, just make sure the black and gold, black and gold. Um, and then, you know, Rulon was pretty, pretty impactful as well. Kale, towards the end, he really had a lot more influence uh, from the design element to the color direction. Uh, but uh, Jordan and Adeline definitely were the ones that were most vocal in terms of uh, color direction, materials. I mean, it got to a point at, at my, end, uh, my end stay at uh, ASICS that I was FaceTiming Jordan while I was in Japan and just kind of going over what we can do and what we can't do. Um, at the price point uh, of the shoe. And, um, you know, Jordan definitely revolutionized um, the ASICS uh, way in terms of uh, team sports because his uh, JB 3.0 was the very first shoe that didn't include the ASICS Tiger Stripes. And, you know, that's what Jordan wanted. Um, I really pushed for it. I really had a rhyme and reason for it. And, um, and the shoe looks fantastic. So I was really proud of, of fulfilling that that dream for Jordan and, and really changing the way that ASICS kind of looked at their branding. Yeah, I think that was the first time I really looked at ASICS and was like, wow, that's different, you know, because yeah. everything kind of has that base, you know, with the stripes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that base mm -hmm. and it, the subtleties are kind of on the outside of that, but you always have mm -hmm. like that, you know, but yep. that I think was kind of cool to see it go a different direction for the first time. Yeah, well, yeah, my, <laughs> argu my argument was, you know, we always design around the tiger stripes. And my thing was like, let's just design the shoe and, and then we'll figure out the Tiger Stripes or branding later. Like, let's just make this shoe really pop off. And, you know, when a, a Nike's getting into it, was getting in, into it at that time and Adidas is bringing some heat, you know, these young consumers, man, they don't, they're, they don't care about the brand. They care about what they're going to put on their feet and what's going to make them feel good, wrestle good type of mentality, you know? And um, they're not committed to one brand. So my team and I really kind of, put that, you know, type of mentality forward and, you know, and Jordan kind of had that type of uh, ideas as well. So we were in line. I mean, we basically locked ourselves up in the room for five to six hours and, you know, we had lunch in the room. I don't think we left the room and, you know, we kind of provided some sketches, some <clears throat> designs and, and Jordan kind of continued to spitball ideas. So. Well, ASICs were my, uh, my first pair of shoes in high school and I still have them. And what that makes them? That makes them like 30 years old, man. Talking wow. about the stripes, I got a story on the stripes, man. We yeah. had an old coach at Birmingham. I wrestled at Birmingham High School. 
And we had an old coach who used to come in and just beat the crap out of us, man. He was a retired. Parsons was his name. He'd just come and beat us up all the time, show us new moves, show us the little little intricacies on how to cause pain. Well, anyways, he's wearing Asics, and he puts me in a double chicken wing, and he's demonstrating. And me, being the smart butt that I am, I decide to bridge on him so he can't get that pin. And he goes, oh, when they do this, see the texture on the stripes of my shoe? You just run him right across his forehead. Woo. And he cuts my head like, like I go home with the tiger stripes on my forehead. Man. And ever since then, I still tell this story when I show my shoe. And I said, if you're going to buy a shoe, buy it textured. Make sure if, I don't care if it's the Adidas stripe, the Nike stripe. It has to have some texture because you can run it across yeah. the face of somebody. Those, those aggressors will run right across your face real quick. Oh, yeah. Those two, oh, man. Those are quick. like wicked. Yeah. Those will rip you up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> No, my first Asics were the white, all white with red and blue. Gosh, dude, that was '87, I think. And then <laughs> probably when I went, splits, split yeah. seconds, maybe. Split yeah, second yeah, one, definitely. Yeah. And then probably, I, yeah. When I went to Russia, my parents got me um, the Gables, the red Gables. It was the first time they ever had the instep or the inside on the tread on the toe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was. A, the first time I ever seen that, I thought it was just so revolutionary. Like, oh my god, yeah. look, don't wear off the toe. Like, oh, <laughs> and the goal is to kind of wear that off as you're as you're practicing and stuff like that. As you're driving, and, yeah, yeah, it's just like oh, trying to get it to wear out. But I just remember that Asics. I don't know anybody who started. I would. I guess nowadays you have kids who start without Asics, but up until you know Adidas really stepped the game up. I mean, with Brute, they really Brute really had some shoes, but they didn't really push. Yeah that hard of course nike had their collats which i still think Those arguably are are the most yeah legit shoes definitely one of the top five for sure yeah yep. for sure um you know i mean what, what let's go over top five right josh josh yep. before we go to the man let's go down the line here josh <laughs> regardless of asics or not um for me top five i mean there's a there's a difference between like the way they look and the way they perform but uh, I guess my top five would be one international lights. Um, number two would probably be like the Adidas old school ringers, like not that they don't have yep. to be the pink 88s, but like the ringer, the old school, mm -hmm. uh, they just Super turf toe. Top. I always get turf toe with those though. So I, I couldn't wear those much. And then I have probably the 54s, the A6 54s mm -hmm. with the Velcro inside. Yeah. And uh, I like any of the gables have been good, except I don't like the old gables that were like the Schultz, the single sole, the gables. Okay. Unisole. Like the, I don't like the unisole. I like the split sole ones. And then my last one, I, I, the Colats would probably be five. Yeah. What about you, Ramirez? I only have one pair, man. I have to look it up right now to see if you guys can see it. I'm gonna so get people, it oh, those are the, nice first, those are the splits for sure. Where are they at? Yeah. There you go. Remember those? I think that was my yeah, first pair. Yeah, that was probably my split. Remember those with the red dots <laughs> underneath, with yeah, the red dots, yeah, with the rotational yep. splits. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, those. That's those. it. That's that's the only pair right there. I put those on. These kids know I'm wrestling. I I have other pairs. Not going to mention them because of Fernando, but uh, oh, that like I do that. demos in. But uh, if I'm going to wrestle with some kids, I throw those on, man. They know he's about to bring the pain. Well, oh, yeah. I, I would say. Because I I've bought my kid easily, and I had a lot of t I I had a friend named Lonnie Lansford 
who used to work for ASICS back in the day, dude, like when I was in high school, so then like nineties, early nineties. And uh, Lonnie was awesome, dude. He was super cool guy. And uh, his son wrestled on my team. I played football with his son too. And um, yes, they do make helmets that big. And um, uh, Lonnie would, would but bring do they make shoulder pads that small. That's the hard part. They never get to the shoulder pads, but no. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so uh, Lonnie would, would, would hook us up big time. He really would help my, 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 my parents were awesome. They always hooked me up with shoes. So the mixture between getting myself shoes and buying my daughter's shoes, I would say number one, always, always will be the international lights. I preferred the blue with the pink. I think that was the best color scheme they ever made, uh, but can't find those anymore. Green, the green and gray ones. I like the green and gray. Those no, you shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, that you got the red and or the white with red Omniflex, like uh, I think they were the Kales. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those those my daughter had. She wore those things literally till the zippers busted, and then she still wore them a little longer. And she stopped. Yeah. She still has. She still has them. Um, those are number two probably. Um, the Adidas. Um, the Addy Stars are pretty slick. Uh, I still think those yeah. are those are those are pretty amazing. Um, Colats are on my list. I've never owned them. I can remember seeing them in the Sports Illustrated when Colat had an ad, and just thinking like, God, I want them. But but that was a time when Nike like put out like a hundred pairs and then just shut it down, and you couldn't. You'd see them in like eBay or uh, East Bay in size thirteen, and I got freaking miniature feet, so they they were just terrible. I hated them. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the last ones I would say, um, eh, I think now the um, I tried the Nikes on the new Nikes, and I don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't think they they hold up very long. So that's why they're not really on my list. But I'll go old school. I'll go with the Brute, the John Smith Brute. Wow, uh, <laughs> I remember those the '88 or '92s. Yeah, like that. Those. Yeah, I had a. I had a red pair. Those are awesome. <laughs> I wish I could find those. Yeah, those would be my my five. All right, Fernando, what do you say? Um, I'm gonna say international life for sure. And, you know, that's the rhyme and reason why those came back. That was I was in Japan. I tell you guys the story before I move forward. I was in Japan and we were in a meeting and um, the big boss, you know, Takahama-san, asked me. He goes, "Hey, man, it's like if there's one shoe that you can bring back in wrestling, what shoe that what what would it be?" And it just came out of my mouth, international lights. And he goes, "Let's do it." And, um, you know, and it was, wow. you know, Josh, I know that you hit me up every other weekend and, and yeah. kind of gave me a hard time about it, but it was definitely something that I wanted to bring back because I felt like that was a shoe that really evolved ASICS wrestling, um, you know, with the flat pancake sole and it just took it to another level. And then it um, got so to the that, point, it got to the point where Fernando knew it was coming and he couldn't really <laughs> tell me and then I was like, come on, you can tell me, I won't tell anybody. Yo, that was the, that was probably the hardest thing in terms of my job is keeping things under wraps. I can't like I would share with my wife, or I'd come home with samples that I was trying out, and my kids would go bananas. Um, or I'd be at the local high school, kind of working out, and the kids would pull out their phones, and I would ask them nicely to not take pictures, you know. And that was definitely one of the hardest things. But number two, I'm gonna say Kendall Cross added stars. Those were those were fire. They're still fire. My wife just actually gave my my oldest daughter her pair. Um, number number three, the Colats. Um, number four, 
I'm gonna probably say the Omniflex, the latest, the uh, zipper ones, mm -hmm. and then number five is gonna be a tie between the new JBs, only because we really revolutionized the kind of design aspect of a shoe, and then the 54s. So, what's coming up? Like, like I mean, you gotta realize the game is just big now. It's it's yeah, it's crazy, bigger than it's ever been. I won't say it's basketball shoe level, but I I could see. By the time maybe my little ones up, you know, wrestling, I think it's going to be huge. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize like how big it was and how crazy these kids were until like I came across Funky Flicker, and then going to Fargo and seeing all the shoes out there, and then to high school nationals and walking the little SWAT meet. Yeah, I mean it was insane <laughs> for the amount of money these kids first of all had in their pockets and two. <laughs> the what they were selling the shoes for i was like i almost floored myself i'm like wow man you guys are crazy and um you know but at the same time it was kind of surreal because you're right it's almost at that level i mean yeah you do not you don't have the participation in terms of high school participations for the sport but definitely these kids man now they're just they're multiple pairs of shoes you know and the thing is these kids have to buy multiple pairs of shoes because they're wrestling year-round so they're wearing out shoes like there's nobody's business mm -hmm. Well, how do you feel about that? I mean, with the whole, like, say, like, for instance, because Fargo back in the day was, you had you had the marketplace. You know, everybody was out there. And for a California yeah. singlet, man, you can get, you can get a, you know, a, an Illinois package for California singlet, you know, like back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like Nike sponsoring California. It's kind of like, it's, it's, I feel like it's leading everybody to the same vanilla singlet. It just says USA on the front. It only says California down the back. Mm -hmm. You feel like it takes away the identity of the, of the state in a way? I mean, it all depends what the kids want. You know, um, you know, when I was working with California USA Wrestling, the kids, kind of the captains of the kids really had an influence on the design um, of the singlet with Rob Valerio. Um, you know, I don't know what type of impact they have now. Um, I see, I see, I do I agree with you. I do see a lot of recycled type of uh, templates being out there. Um, and, you know, and the fact is that when, when one style hits, you know, it's just you have a short time to kind of capitalize on that. So I can totally understand that. But, um, you know, there's some brands out there that are kind of still moving, moving the pace in terms of design and really, you know, putting, taking it to another level. But the, there's just so many options now, you know, and, and the internet's so strong to kind of, provide those options to the end user, the consumer. So, I mean, it's just difficult. Yeah. I just, I just miss that having that California scene with it, or the, even just the yeah. California gear that was fire, yeah. you know, I and mean, you look forward yeah. to release the gear package. Now it's yeah. like the singlets are literally as, I mean, ridiculous amount um, in terms mm -hmm. of price and it's vanilla. And, and I mean, I, mm -hmm. I get it. I mean, you know, there's some people that like basic, but when it matches somebody else, another state's, and it just says mm -hmm. the name on the back really small, I'm like, mm -hmm. man, that just kind of takes away from the idea of like seeing the bear, seeing the palm tree, seeing the you know different things on 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 the singlets that you knew it was California, you know that was California, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, Bernando, Bernando, how uh, have you gotten your hands on the Rudis Snyders, and how do you like them? How do you what do you think about them? They kind of like, stepped um, up their game. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, got a whole, held of, of a pair. I did talk to Kyle Snyder at Jordan's birthday party, and 
we sat down and geeked out for 45 minutes on the shoes and he kind of gave me some insights that I can't share, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I'm still waiting for him to send me a pair. I, I think it's good. I think that, that it's, they're thinking outside the box, going direct to consumer, not resellers. They're definitely gaining uh, the gross profit margin, allowing them to kind of keep the doors open, um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, building a wrestling shoe is very, very difficult, and all I'm going to say is you got the clinch gears, you got the cage fighters, you got Brute, um, you know, Cliff King had a shoe at one point, and everybody dropped their shoes, man, because the durability is a big factor, and these these younger guys, these newer elite wrestlers, they're going through shoes like like nobody's business. And you know, I just hope for the sake of the of the company, um, the shoes are durable and wearable. Because if not, they're gonna have a short stay. But just looking at the shoes, they they look fire. They look cool. I I really don't like the other um, the the other shoes, but I think the Kyle Snyder's are pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, what do you see coming up for shoes, though? Like, what do you think the evolution is next? I mean, how far can it go? I mean, uh, it could go as far as anybody can envision. You know, one of the things that really, within when I was with ASICS and, and my team, is we always thought outside the box, and we had individuals like Jordan that kind of just kind of kept us on our toes and kept us going. And with the amount of competition that's in the market now, it's going to have to evolve and it's better for the consumer because they're going to see cheaper price shoes, more durability, more design language, more flair on the shoes, like the whole uh, gloss, the, the uh, 3M material, the icy outsole, you know, things of that nature. Um, I just hope that, you know, there's some brands out there that, that really recycle outsoles. Um, and I think that's, I, I don't agree with that. You know, um, I think it's taking away from, from really those different price points. Um, I just, I hope that other brands don't follow that, but you know, outsoles could get expensive. Those molds definitely expensive. So I can see from a business strategy and standpoint that why they do that, but you know, knowing the insights and where I come from and, and what my vision was, I always try to push the envelope. And I just you know, hope that I have a question. You know, they do that. You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back in the eighties, that's when I was wrestling. You know, we'd go to the mall, we'd go out, we'd see people with wrestling shoes on. And I haven't really mm -hmm. seen that with, uh, especially with now that these kids and everybody has online stores and you can buy a shoe, get it shipped directly to your house uh, because most of the retailers don't carry the shoes until October or something, uh, except WrestleMark, people like that. But uh, do you guys, do you see the shoe being that popular where we're going to start seeing it out on the street and about and then, you know, as us coaches, we're going to be sizing them up like, hey, you wear wrestling shoes. Did you wrestle? Do you want to? Yeah, I'm not the only one that does that. I'm not the only one at the gym. Like somebody shows up with a wrestling shoe. Not you know, right. I should, probably shouldn't bite my bottom lip when I ask them. That's probably why they say no all the time. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that trend is really big in Europe. I know that um, Anisuka Tiger and uh, had like a, a wrestling style at school. It's called the Ultimate 81 or something like that. Um, that looked like a wrestling shoe. The upper material was a little bit more fashion forward, but you know, you got like those, uh, those Pumas that, that are really kind of minimalistic, you know, I think they they have them branded like with Ferrari, um, you know, logos and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've actually been at a retail store with, you know, um, European consumers buying wrestling shoes because they just like to wear them. I got a funny story actually. So, so 24 hour fitness of brand, right? Right next to Cal State Fullerton. 
it's right yeah. back up the road, right? And I'm working out with my dad, and, and I come down for the weekend from Cuesta, and uh, we, we hit the gym Saturday, Saturday morning, and this guy walks up, and he's like, got wrestling shoes on. And I'm like literally tennis shoes, shorts, nothing wrestling on, just working out. And uh, he comes up, he's like, hey, uh, you, are you a wrestler? I was like, yeah, why? You know, like, well, who are you? And he's like, oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, you ever want to, you ever want to, you know, get on the mat or just drill some Let me know. You know, I get in the Cal State Fullerton's room. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, like, whatever. Yeah, take my number. All right, do whatever. Your number work out. <laughs> well, I'm at, I'm fast forward like two years and I'm working in Santa Fe Springs and, uh, these guys come up to me and they start like massaging my shoulders. And I just start working and they're like, Hey, are you a wrestler? And I'm like, yeah, why? They're like, I got this guy in Brea that could get in the Cal State Fullerton's room at any time. There's a group of guys laughing. I'm like, what? Like, and they're like, Oh, there's this guy. And they brought up the same exact guy. And I'm like, what? Like, and he was wearing wrestling shoes too. They're like, yeah. And he, and we described each other and we're like, yeah. And we're like, man, I think that guy's like, I don't know, roofing people, like, you know, offering him a Gatorade with a roofie or something. Because it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny that these guys who had nothing to do with wrestling told the exact same story. They were like 20 miles away, like in the opposite direction. And in LA, the rest of the country, 20 miles is that far. But in LA, there's a lot of people in 20 miles. They, you know, but it's like, oh gosh. So yeah, moral of the story don't hit people up at the gym. It's probably not a good idea. They're going to get the money. Nah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, all right, Fernando. Well, we're going to talk That's some topics. If you want to stay on and, and ch chime in? Yeah, with, for sure. You know? I got one more question. I yeah. got one more question for yeah. him, so while we're still on shoes. So, are you uh, are you completely out of the shoe game right now? Or are you consulting with people? Maybe like some like compound or anything like that. What's going on? <laughs> uh, there's some things in the works that I can't really say. Cliff and I have been working on some 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 samples um actually Size 12 the, uh, yeah the, I, the ipod ipad that's uh that i'm streaming is, is in the box of some some heat some shoe heat and some samples um you know the thing is it's it just takes like, a lot of capital and a lot of time and right now i gotta pick and choose my battles and spending time with my family and getting these guys brought to speed for the upcoming season and my day job which is important because that's what puts uh, puts food on the table and um, but who knows, you know, I mean, uh, I, I have deep conversations with some ASICs people, with some Nike people, um, you know, I, I talked to, to Kyle, I haven't really talked to anybody at Rudis in detail, but um, you never know what could happen, man, you know, I definitely, let's just say that, you know, packages are still showing up in my doorstep, which I, <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate that because, um, not only myself, but, you know, the girls are getting taken care of and, um, you know, and I've, we've created monsters with these kids, you know, my son's asking me to go to wrestling mart and, and buy him all the colored JBs. So when he wins the state title, he can wear one red, one white under the other shoe. And, and, you know, cookie is like every other weekend is asking for new shoes. And, um, you know, my oldest is, is, is actually fitting into a lot of the old stuff that my wife wore and that I have. So she's wearing new shoes every other day as well. Uh, the only one that doesn't care is my middle one. She's like, give me some aggressors and just leave me alone. <laughs> so. Hey, Josh, I, I bet Fernando's uh, closet looks like Mario's, only all of his are real. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Mario, has, Mario actually has some good shoes. Uh -huh. um, not as much as Jeff. I know Jeff has a 
done. I only have like I probably have eight pairs ten. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Mario has he had a lot of uh, nakies. I think they were calling them. Psyches, psyches, yeah. Yo, you know what's crazy is that after I left ASICS, my LinkedIn got blown up by like all these uh, knockoff factories, and they're like, "Oh, you have you have all the connections. We need to partner up." And they kept on sending me all the bootleg stuff, and I'm like, "Man, I'm not signing up for this. There's <laughs> no way that I'm gonna associate my name with you guys." And, to this day, I kind of still get it, and it's just like, nah, man, I'm good. I don't even, I don't want to, you know, get called out because these kids, these kids online are savages, man. They'll call you out, and oh, you can't yeah. erase it. You can't erase it once it's there. Like, oh it, my yeah. god, dude, I was loved one week, and they were calling from my head the other week. I'd walk around at a wrestling tournament, and kids would tell me how much I sucked. It was bananas, dude. It was. I was like, "Wow, really, you guys?" And then I would take two, three steps, and some other dudes would be like, "Yo, let's talk wrestling shoes." And I would sit there for twenty, thirty minutes, you know, talking it up, and um, which was cool, you know, because I really enjoyed talking to those kids. But yeah, man, those uh, online stuff is no think, filter. I think it was Bryce Meredith, maybe like his freshman or sophomore year, got called out for wearing some like nikes or something and somebody said i can't believe you'd wear these shoes ball and they ended up being that doyle trouts yeah wrestling shoes that he wore to like you know uh get at the bring it with them. yeah at ncaa's and yeah yeah finally when the story got out whoever called him out looked like a real jerk but uh yeah you know everybody's a shoe designer everybody can develop shoes everybody knows what the color combinations are everybody knows what's the next big thing but no one's willing to put the money you know, to move it forward. So, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, I appreciated everybody that gave me positive and negative feedback because, you know, if you have to listen to them. You know, some kids really had some great ideas and, um, you know, I had a great conversation with five kids at high school nationals and we chalked it up for like two, two hours, man. I almost wow. like, I was, I was so, you know, um, you know, so gracious of them opening up and providing insight. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for NCAA violations, I would have taken those guys to a nice steak dinner and just kind of to tell them, like, yo, this is you. Like, I'm going to do this because of you guys, you know? So Yeah, I, I can't understand that, too, because, like, even I see you at the NCAAs a couple times, you know, and I know you, and I'm like, I'm not going to bug him. He's he's working, you know? And it, uh, nah, man. But a couple times I'd see you, and you'd bug him. with somebody, and you you could just see that thousand-yard stare just talking about nothing, like, this guy's chopping. And Fernando's just being nice, like, <laughs> trying to engage him but just he's off he's like way off <laughs> yeah that that's you know my wife mentioned that at the at the podcast the last time i stopped and say hello to everybody man i didn't you know what i mean people i people want to chat wrestling issues i'll talk with them people want to talk rules whatever registration you know i'm all about growing the sport and being being available for these guys because you know i mean you just never know you know they they they, they can influence you or they can open an opportunity for you you just never know so I know my wife likes to get in and out of tournaments and with four kids running amok, she rightfully so, but at the same time, man, you know, I got to stop and I, you know, I got to say hello and it's just a, a level of mutual respect. Yeah, not for sure. So, all right, on that note, uh, so the Pan Ams for this weekend for the school kids, uh, I think we had all golds and one silver. Is yeah, that true? Nine, nine golds, one silver. Yeah, that's pretty good showing, but 
I, I did hear that the brackets maybe weren't super big, so maybe some country didn't send people. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I hear it more called intercontinentals. So mm-hmm. I think it's just South America, like North and South America is all that competed. And I, you know, I saw some Ecuador, Mexico, uh, El Salvador, a couple more uh, South America countries that were there. Um, but it was, you know, I think there are anywhere between three and six kids in the bracket. And I know we, we took some hammers, so yeah. to, to not win would have been you know, disappointing for a lot of those girls. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's still a good showing. I mean, when you're considering that, okay, well these countries, I mean, it's good to see these countries developing, you know, I know Mexico has been putting a real push in even trying to get some people from the U S to go down there and, uh, you know, represent their country. They're putting in a lot of money. Uh, but I know Ecuador has got some people moving in, uh, to help mm-hmm. grow their program, stuff like that. So I think it's, it's pretty awesome to have, you know, that growing, even on the senior level, the girls side, you know, and I think um, I think Jordan had some tough matches with the Colombian, right? Like the Colombian guy was actually mm-hmm. pretty good uh, all the time. So it's kind of cool to see them uh, growing, you know. And I think for us, too, here in California, it kind of helps us being able to point to people from South American countries because we have those kids in our area. Like, hey, look, viable back in your home country, too. You know, and yeah, it gives them yeah that's one of my recruiting tools. Yeah, because I, I mean... Fernando and, and, and uh, Ramirez, you can both, I guess, comment on this. The, com- the community the, that you grew up in and that you, you kind of serve now, um, which I mean, you serve everybody, but I mean, that you're kind of focused on sometimes. Um, not super wrestling involved, right? I mean, soccer is probably the number one thing, you know, off the top, you know, and then you got baseball. Not a whole lot of basketball players in our culture. Uh, <laughs> at least not, not on the high levels. Um, Literally but, high. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I play handball on the curb, but um, but how, how, I mean, how do you how sh- how do you grow it in those areas? You know, I mean, I've coached in Panorama City, and I know it was ridiculously hard. Even on the and I focus on the girls' side, it was dang near impossible. But then you have some teams, unless you have a culture, I guess, in that area. Right, because like San Fernando, those programs they they, they have a culture, but everybody yeah, else. In talks. San Fernando, it's like a, a almost like a second generation. They're probably already working on their third generation here. Uh, I know Monroe. We we were ranked, I think, like two years ago or a year ago, the highest transient uh, school in all of LA Unified. Meaning that we had kids from other countries come. They'd stay with us maybe six, maybe five months. And then they transfer out, some even sooner than that. So having that culture, it's hard because you've got kids coming and going all the time. Our numbers are always changing, uh, you know, so you're always trying to find. I, I got a lot of boys that I look at and I say, hey, come here, man. You're working out. You look good shape. You run fast. Hey, how about uh, you try wrestling? He goes, well, can I do it while I work? And a lot of these kids, they have jobs because most of them do look like grown men already. And so... You know, on on that side of the valley, a little further north where San Fernando's at, I think it's 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 an easier sell because of the fact that they're working on the second or third generation. On our side, which like Van Eyes and myself, because he and I are always exchanging our little sob stories, we're always crying on each other's shoulders about how difficult it is to get them in. You know, um, the machismo culture. I don't see that it is more because now it's more about the mom. The mom doesn't want them to get on the mat. 
mm-hmm. versus like the dad's sometimes not around or he's working too much. So um, it's more the mom than anybody. Right. And I think a lot of it is that they're not educated, right, for the, of the sport. Like they don't know the ins and outs. Like they just feel like it's so barbaric and so, you know, it's, it's, it's meant for a boy instead of a girl. And when they see each other, throw the throwing each other in, you know, all over the place, they just are like, wait, that's a sport. That's ridiculous. You're not doing that, you know, but it's breaking that barrier. And once you do that and the kid loves it, you know, the mom will support them. There's nothing like uh, Hispanic mom support, you know, well, any mom support, but they'll go through, you know, through brick walls, through hell and earth, just to kind of make sure that their babies are, you know, getting provided what they need to in order to succeed. Now on the other side, Josh, (laughs) your team hasn't grown much. I mean, you got, I, I think you're you're up two hundred percent this year, though, right? Right. Yeah. So, what what challenges are you facing on that end? It's it's difficult. I mean, you get you know it's it's you know these kids. I mean, kids in general in the last 10, 15 years have gotten you know a little more complacent and not very hard workers, and every especially being in North Orange County, everything's food fed spoon fed to them, and you know a little more. Chrissy, a lot of these girls, uh, you know, once you get a girl to, to like it and uh, start to get good at it, then then it becomes contagious. But uh, it's 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 a different challenge, you know, especially with work ethic and, and uh, uh, not appearance, but, you know, the, the whole stigma of, you know, a girl wrestling, it's still very new in, in culture, even though it's it's been around for a little bit. It's still kind of the stigma is odd. Oh, yeah. so it's not that like wrestling season is during equestrian season or polo. It's it's just that. <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah. yeah. When you're in Anaheim Hills and stuff like that, I just worry yeah. wonder if that that might be part of it too. But, narco, narco. Yeah. narco. Sorry, right. Narco, uh, narco. Uh, Orange County, uh, or, sorry, Anaheim Hills adjacent. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, I wonder if they're going to add girls Greco to the Pan American since they added it to California State. I think that it's probably going to be growing, right? Like moving out broader. I, I that's the that, that's what I heard like a while back, a couple of years back, was that the UWW was going to be pushing girls Greco, but now we well, have. Well, here's the, the thing, you know, every I, I I was reading your I was getting brought up to speed on the whole Facebook uh, shenanigans that you Mario and uh, so <laughs> ill were going back and forth with. I think it's hilarious. It's good read, um, you know. Uh, I, 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 I feel that, you know, okay, so we pounded the floor, we pounded the pavement, we knocked at the door, we made a fuss about it, and we're going to get it. But now what? You know what I mean? And that's what I feel with a lot of the rhyme reasons of the, why the sport isn't growing is we have the right reasons why to get into it and do certain things and change activities or change rules or uniforms, but then it just falls from the waistline. So what is the next strategy? Like, how are we going to evolve for these girls to give them opportunity to grow women's Greco? Because men's Greco isn't growing. That's the thing. We don't have a lot of high level. I mean, for our nation, I guess we have high level. But in terms of, like, you know, world beating, you know, consistency at the at the Greco yeah, level. We're not growing. We're no. not. I mean, it's, yeah, it's rough. And I mean, you, you've, gone, you've gone to, you know, uh... Greco international tournaments and freestyle international tournaments and you know even Las Vegas I, I hate to say it you know if, if there's a Greco finals unless it's two guys that I really want to watch I get up and use that time to go bathroom or get a coke or 
get some popcorn or wait for the fireworks of Jordan and somebody else, you know, and, and it's not that I don't appreciate the sport of Greco. It's just, just like, it's, it's difficult to watch at times. And I just, I feel like Mario sold the idea um, to get this in, in the girls um, environment, but what is next? You know, like I, I kind of like want Mario to strategize and put a game plan together to evolve the participation and get girls excited about it. You know what? Give me two seconds. I'm going to see if I can get him on right now. Maybe he's back on Farmer's Market. <laughs> I, I heard his wife takes his phone away from him after 7 p.m. So. Yeah, it's actually, well, no, well, because, you know, he's got to do her nails before she goes to bed because she's got to go to work the next day. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Hang on, let's see if we can get him on real quick. He's going he's gonna to hate me for saying that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mario. I'm just kidding, buddy. Let's see here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, but I mean, what, what, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, you know, you know, and it's just not adding Greco to girls, but like we changed the uniform singlets, you know, to the fight shorts and, and the rash guards. And I thought that that was really going to be a new, you know, evolution of the sport and participation was going to be up the roof because now kids don't have to wear the leotard, you know, quote unquote, but you know, you know, what's next for, for Greco wrestling for girls. Well, I think that that whole, you know, the duo, the top bottom fight shorts, rash guard, I think that too many old school coaches like didn't even make it an option because the varsity boys that have been wrestling for so many years, and this is a lot of teams I've talked to, they didn't want to go to that. So they didn't switch to it. And I've seen some teams like embrace it, you know, the whole fight shorts, like I know Selma, Bosco, they have different sets, but they'll wear both. Mm-hmm. Um, but for girls, I, you know, you see probably 85, 90% still wearing singlets. And I don't know if it's what mm-hmm. they have or they just haven't decided to order it. I mean, my daughter would prefer to wear a singlet. That's just the way mm-hmm. she is. I think, I think that, whole push, that whole push is ridiculous because, uh, number one, most of those ones, including some of us, from what I can see, don't even have like the regulation uh, two piece. It's supposed to have a four, you know, four-inch tail on the back. It's supposed to have like inseam. It's all these things, and it was like pfft, nobody's following that. So I'm waiting for somebody to call somebody out on that. Number two, you just did. What's that? You just did. <laughs> no, I mean in a tournament setting. In a tournament setting. So, um, you know, and they may have adjusted it. I don't know, but I was just saying, like, it just looks like it's not the regulation. But on the other side of it too is, I don't think it's necessarily that there was a push or that it was going to save wrestling because. If they really thought it would, they should have started at a kid's level and see if the numbers grew from there and then kind of went up from there if the numbers grew. But I think more it was probably a corporate push because it's a lot easier. Nike wants to get in the game. It's easier for Nike to just say, hey, look, we have this uh, compression gear from football. Throw some wrestling on the front of it. Send it out. You know, it would be I disagree. I disagree. And and, and being being – I have a lot of insight on this. Yeah. So when 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 I was with Clinch and even when I was with Asics and I I wasn't in the apparel side with Asics, but the manager Annette was very very open to my ideas, especially in wrestling. And we went to high school nationals and we asked a lot of kids and we went to local tournaments and we asked a lot of kids like, you know, when you started wrestling, you know, what was your first kind of like vision of wrestling? And they're like, oh, two sweaty boys wrestling in leotard. And we're like, okay, so did did that make you not want to join the sport? Did did you have second thoughts? One hundred percent of the time was like, yeah, I had second thoughts. 
So that was the rhyme and reason why the two piece kind of was really pushed because, you know, the brands that were doing their due diligence, listening to the consumer at the very early age, you know, freshman level, sophomore level, not the high, not the senior level, because here's the thing, you guys have to understand. You, when I started, I was a hundred pounds. I didn't have a, like an ounce of muscle. I was just sticking bones and I wore a singlet. I was embarrassed, dude, especially in Santa Ana. Like girls are in the stands and I'm embarrassed, right? But my senior year, man, I was shredded. I'd walk around in my underwear if I could, you know, because I was that confident I was in my body. I was going along in mine at 90 to 75 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But the, the thing is, like, you know, even my girls, like, when they started wrestling, like, my, my, my youngest daughter, her first wrestling tournament, she had compression pants, a compression shirt, and then a singlet on top because she was uncomfortable with that. And I just, you know, and that is the reason why this whole double sport or two-piece thing well, kind of evolved. I think that I, w I would believe that, but only that when um, Cliff King, I think, was the first one to have the doublet. And it was double sport. Yeah, it was called dual sport back. Like, they did a college duel. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Eight years yep. ago. It didn't go It was anywhere. Hofstra and somebody else, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, okay, that looks kind of sick. And it just nowhere. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, because, I well, here's the thing. It didn't go anywhere because it wasn't a uniform that the NCA or the NWCA had, had approved, right? And when you kind of ruffle the feathers or you bring something out new to market, right? The mm -hmm. consumers are like, dude, I, they want something that they nobody else can have, right? And then you had this timeline. I think it was like seven or eight years where then all of a sudden now it's it's a uniform. But here's the thing. High schools with, you know, not getting funded, they're, I think they're going to have a harder time transitioning buying the double, the two-piece, you know, because they're, they're $60, $70 a piece, you know. They got to fundraise. And, and for them, it's easier to buy two or three singlets to kind of keep your set alive, you know, instead of reinvesting and buying new uniforms for everybody else. Yeah, I guess so. I just, you know, I mean, I guess we're going to be able to tell, right? I mean, numbers are down again this year. Yep. I mean, I mean if, if they don't go up, I mean, really, it's kind of just a failure. You know, and, yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows, maybe the numbers would be worse if you didn't have that option. You know, somebody doing a whole There you go, I was trying to keep up with them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my gripe about it. I was just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I we do them. I'm not. I don't. I don't think any of my kids. All my kids are like, no. Like wrestling's about the single. And my when I was at Panorama, we did a singlet practice before we even let the girls wear it in competition, just so they got like used to it. You know, they've been yeah. like, comfortable amongst themselves. They realized that while they were going live, they weren't even thinking about what they were wearing. And they, mm -hmm. by the time, dude, those girls wanted to wear those singlets to, on campus to, to school the next day. And yeah. I think they did. Well, because they got confident. They lost yeah. some weight. You know, they got muscles. Yeah, I totally get that. But yeah. anyways, let's get back to the girls, Greco. So what is the next step? I don't know. Mario's not answering. And I've, I've sent him messages. I sent him invites yeah. right now. He, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think. I think the next step is having some coaches that know Greco, which is not very, you know, many of them in, in California, you know, I mean, there are some high level ones. There's, you know, CYC up in Northern California. Yeah. We, you know, we have some good Greco people down here. Uh, Daryl Christian lives in San Diego. I know he works with some 
-hmm. some fighters and stuff. And we have a couple in Orange County with Mark and the holidays uh, that are all mm -hmm. high level Greco. But I mean, I, maybe there's people I don't know about and there, there probably are, but you know, it's, it's tough enough finding good freestyle guys that know freestyle coaches. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people's excuses too. It's like, oh, I don't know freestyle. The rules always change. They don't really, you know, take the time to learn it. I think the same thing as with Greco. But even at that, mm -hmm. like high level Greco, I mean, I, we don't really need high level right away. I mean, we just need basics, you know, fundamentals, mm -hmm. things like that to kind of get the girls going. Mm -hmm. I know uh, Ramirez, your girls built for Greco. Just oh, both of my both of my <laughs> girls are built for it. Uh, we went to, uh, prior to Fargo, we did a Lawa tournament, and I told them, uh, we're wasting our time wrestling each other, because basically on the heavyweights, you don't get a lot. So I said, go and, go and register yourself for the, for the guys division. And they wrestled, and uh, Christina took first, and Angela took second, but most of the moves that the girls did, because the boys were trying to outpower them, with their upper body, my girls countered all that stuff and just threw them and tossed them in the air, you know, never trip, never attack the legs, you know? And so I think these, my, my two girls are up for it. I know, um, you know, we got uh, Medeiros over here at Birmingham, who's a Greco mm -hmm. guy, yeah. you know, so we can tap into his knowledge. And, and I think as a section, uh, if we wanted to make an all-star team, you know, we could do, we, we could do something. We got people like Ramos who knows a little bit about it. And believe me, I didn't know freestyle. I wrestled at Birmingham when folk style was over. We actually went to Quartz Hills, Thousand Oaks, and those areas. And uh, we did Greco tournaments. Uh, freestyle was weird to us, you know. And so, me, I had to learn freestyle uh, in order to be able to teach my girls. And I got uh, two of them in the, on the podium, I think. And not being a freestyle guy. So, there are some of us coaches that I think we could step up. You know, and mm -hmm. we shouldn't be scared of it. We can do it. We can mm -hmm. do it. We got a lot of good coaches in the southern section, central, north, all over California that we can we can make a really good girls Greco team right away and make an impact right away. Yeah, I mean, I guess the 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 big thing would be to just you know the next step would be to just start developing. That's that's really what it is, you know, and prepare because our understanding is that they want to start implementing it nationally. You know, and having a national tournament, yeah. and uh, you know, I know you saw, you know, my banter back and forth with a couple of people about Pocatello and them having it for a couple of years, stuff like that. Um, you know, which I was initially, I was kind of against. I was like, why? Like, those are just coaches who can't coach a freestyle champ, and they're just trying to get a kid trying to get. A <laughs> but when you sit down and you think about it, you know, you you got to understand too that you know what what does it matter? You know, at the end of the day, it's more wrestling yeah. for the kid. If it give makes yep. them stronger in another area, then great. You know what? Like awesome. Yep. You know, same thing as when you got a kid who can't shoot, he doesn't shoot, refuses to shoot. Well, if you can figure out a way to open that up, get them going to takedown tournaments, get them to do something to to open mm -hmm. up their, their lower level, then great. You know, I know the first Masters champ I ever coached was Carlos uh, Alanis at La Mirada. That kid was like a head and arm king. You know, and he and mm -hmm. he, he you know couldn't get over the hump, and then. I worked with him for the year, and then he, he opened up his lower body. The kid ends up ranked third in the state, going into state. He beats mm -hmm. Patrick Alexania. He beats uh, Meredith. i sorry, uh, Madrid. Joe Madrid from uh, Chaparral High School, freshman phenom. Um, mm -hmm. He beat, he beat uh, uh, 
Morgan Atkinson. That killer kid. Yeah. yeah, Morgan Atkinson had to take him down twice in the last ten seconds to go into overtime. You know, mm-hmm. just I mean, just um, awesome. You know, so that that's what kind of like sitting down thinking about it. That that was kind of how my take changed. You know, first I was like, no, yeah. these coaches trying to get get themselves a championship, and then at the end of the day, it's like, no, you know, why are you really doing anything that we do? Why do we coach? Yeah. Why are we yeah. here? It's for kids, and you know what? If you give mm-hmm. A kid might might not be a, free, a freestyle champ. Maybe he's just really good at head and arms, and that's a chance for him to win a state title. You know what? Well, then that kid's got that memory, and you know what? Good for that yep. kid. You know, so well, and you never know what can transpire from there, right? Like, I think it's just a different opportunity, a different door that's opening for for from the female perspective. I just, I I would hate to see it fall from the waistline because it's just participation and or coaches just have the wrong mindset. You know that they're not going to put any effort to it because. They don't have the right environment. They don't have the right coaches. We got to travel here. We got to travel there. Like, you know, there's a guy, you know, Mario and So Ill and other people that kind of, you know, push the pace and open that opportunity. Let's let's utilize it, man. Let's let's go 100% in order for us to open additional doors. That you know, and and the thing is that I, you know, whether it's Mario or anybody else that's you know knocking at the doors, I hope that they take him serious because if he do- this does definitely blow up. They're going to be fearful that every time that Mario or Soil or you guys open your mouth, it's because you guys have something brewing, you know, and, and, yeah, I, and you I know, that, I would hate I for them not to keep you guys serious. Yeah, and I think you're totally right with that because if you don't have any foresight, if you're just trying to get something approved and you don't have any foresight beyond that, you're mm-hmm. setting yourself up to fail. You know, I mean, Mario, yeah. I think Mario's big thing was Pocatello. He likes the Pocatello trip. He really likes yep. it. I think, yeah. but if you're screaming for it, you're championing for it, then you got to have yeah. that backup plan with it. You got to follow through with it, you know? And I, I don't know. I hope those people like Mario who, who championed it have a, have a plan, you know, and, and like, okay, yeah. great. You got it in. Now what, you know, where, where are you going yeah. with this now? And, and, it, yeah. and here's the thing too. Are you only going to champion for your kids or mm-hmm. are you taking up that flag to say, look, and I'm going to take this on to help develop everything. You know? Yeah. Which is a big responsibility. Yeah, big responsibility. Yeah. A lot of would, time and energy. So I would like to see USA Wrestling on the freestyle side too, kind of have some regional training centers for kids to like, you know, like one in the north, one in the south, one in San Diego, one in Central, kind of like, you know, I mean, the only place right now would be Fresno at the RTC for it. But, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe one day a week or two days a week, you have a, a Greco and a freestyle only place kind of a nonpartisan where the problem is, it's going to be, you know, kids are going to want to transfer to where that coach is, you know, a really good Greco or freestyle coach, you know, well, I mean, it could happen. That, that happens anyways. It doesn't really matter. So I think honestly, well, I, what I've gathered from people in USA wrestling when I was talking to them was that USA wrestling doesn't want to have to do everything on, on their own. You know, somebody else, they want to see somebody else step up and help. You know, they don't mind helping, but they don't want to be the one sitting there having to hold the bag all the time. So mm-hmm. us as coaches, it's like, okay, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of the things that, that I try to do, you know, I think of it from a coach's perspective, you know, like, okay, what would help me as a coach? You know, okay, we do takedown tournaments because why? Because I have a kid who's great at head and arms and won't shoot. So I can tell you what, that kid can only hit two head and arms. Now the rest have to be leg attacks. You know, if I got new kids, and they're afraid to shoot. Well, guess what? You don't have to worry about being at a tournament 
waiting for four hours, wrestling for 10 seconds, getting pinned, and then waiting another four hours for you to wrestle again. Now you come here, there's no chance of getting pinned. You get to work on your technique and then, you know, you're moving forward. So for me, it was the best way I could think of to help as many girls as I can not be head and arm queens. And Josh, you and I talked about that before. We don't show head and arms because it's not wrestling. You no. know, that's what everybody perceives girls wrestling is going to be. So if this helps girls not be head and arm queens or be really efficient head and arm queens, then guess what? It's, I think that we have probably one of the better ways to go about it. You know, so that's, you know, kind of my thing about that. But what do you guys think about this AWL that people are talking about? My understanding is that they're getting a base salary plus a bonus to win. Is this really the way to grow the sport? Uh, I I think it. I like it as a, for the senior level guys that are kind of maybe not the one and two on the ladder. I think it's a great way for them to make a, a living and earn some extra money. I, I think it'd be great to have actually like a whole league. And I think personally through RTCs would be the best way, but I don't think they're going to go that way is literally have dual meets between RTCs. Um, I'm pretty sure it's getting funded by Andy Barth is what I'm gathering because, uh, you know, Wayne Boyd is the one putting it together. So I'm, <laughs> I guess my assumption is if Wayne Boyd's putting it together, Andy's funding it. Uh, <laughs> God bless Andy Barthy. That yeah, guy I mean, that guy's... He could walk dude. away, dude, and just be playing golf on a, be on a yacht, you know, and he's continuing to give back and, yeah. you know, does a really good thing. I, but, I like I like it. I, I don't know how it's going to go. And but, if, if he's top, I mean, if Zane Rutherford doesn't even want to wrestle Jordan Oliver for a possible 10 grand... Uh, you know, are these guys going to want to wrestle, you know, I mean, Penn State's out for sure. Yeah. Okay. Give me a second. We're going to get to that. I promise you we're going to get to that. <laughs> what do you think, Fernando? Do you think this is a way to grow the sport? I mean, any any type, anytime you have a guy like, like that with deep pockets throwing money out there to kind of provide more opportunities for, for athletes, it's definitely, it's better in the sport, but it's how you market, how you make it exciting for the consumer to watch it and tune in. Like, I, I agree, you know, I'm not going to jump on the JL story, but I love that. I mean, people love drama, you know. I watch Jersey World, uh, Jersey Shore just because of the drama, you know. My wife and I, <laughs> Jersey Shore Thursdays, you know. We, we have pizza and we sit down and turn off all the lights and we watch it because it's entertainment, you know what I mean? It keeps us coming back. And um, But what's going to keep that that wrestling fan coming back, you know, like, we're so easy to judge judge opportunity, but we don't we don't provide solutions. Well, I think that's that's the thing. I, I I'm not against it. Obviously, I'm not against wrestlers making money. You know, and then I, in my own small way, try to do something to try to get some extra money in some wrestlers' pockets. Haven't been able to do it again. I really, really, really want to. Um, you know, but I don't think that the format is gonna draw in the fans. The, the, the casual fans, the, the people flipping channels, you know, when you have, when you have a, okay, I like the structure of the, the flat rate. That's, that's awesome. And the bonus to win. However, you're going to have a two, one match. You're going to have a three, two match because they're just trying to win the way that, mm. that we ran the shootout, I think is still a much better incentive and fan friendly uh, approach. You're not only getting bonus to win. 
you're getting incentive to win before regulation and uh-huh. you're taking out the basically the the part that average america doesn't want to see top bottom you know okay yeah turns are great very very rarely do they really get the understanding of what's going on but if you just make it more action okay let's say you give them two seconds three seconds to go to their to go to their turn right away okay great you know shorten that time period up you know shorten the periods up you know the when we did the the shootout you know we did uh i think the what two two minute period something like that and it was uh you know first to five wins uh you only count the takedowns but if you did a five point move then you got it then you got two points you know and if you if you finish before regulation you doubled your money so jo's there and you know he's he's you know trying to get that double the money you know so you see him take somebody over the top and he looks at the ref like two two you know like no and he goes back in the center and you know it keeps Mm -hmm. keeps the action going it's what people average america wants to see even wrestling you know you don't want to alienate your 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 primary base but yeah you can't tell me anybody in the world who would rather watch people ride than to watch people do takedowns you know, no, but you know, do spo- you got sponsorship money? You got, you know, you got fans that do tune in. You know, it's all viewership. But you know, one thing that I was gonna kind of mention on, on, you know, I, I think what you did there at the shootout is fantastic. I think I, I love the idea. I, 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 you take my hat off to you for providing that that financial compensation for those athletes. That's that's fantastic. But for the casual fan. They already don't understand the rules and regulations of the sport, and then you mix it up with these, you know, ended in regulation. You know, I'm throwing you some more cheddar, this, this, and that. It's just it creates a different, uh, even more complex, uh, you know, way to watch. I think it just it needs to start really at the collegiate level. It needs to start at the NCA and high school level, and just making it more exciting, and you know, and really catering to to that that parent that's walking into the gym for the first time. And I mean, you we all wrestled, you guys we. We got the, you know, we got the itch, you know, the the sport bit us and we fell in love with the sport and we went above and beyond and we still watch it. And, you know, we're doing a podcast on Sunday uh, late at night. Like, how are we going to catch that that next adult that their kids are getting in the gym and, and well, trying the sport for the, for the first yeah, that's, time? That's really why we, we went with the, the format that we did. I think if we had some visuals on the screen, it would make it easier for people to follow along. Sure. You know? Okay. You know, and I think the NCA does a good job where they, they, they kind of have John Smith showing what a takedown is or what a tilt, yeah. you know, that, that helps, yeah. that helps. But how many people are tuned in at that moment, you know, versus like, mm-hmm. okay, look, it's a straight takedown match, you know, and, and, uh, and I'll and yeah. point it to another sport that did something similar to what we did. And that's darts in Europe, in Europe, darts were just darts they just were playing dart game cricket or whatever and it was what it was you had this guy come in and suddenly there's time limits and there's you know there's ring girls walking the girl the guys down and there's it's a show now it's a spectacle it's it's a you know and now darts is like boom you know you you put on a european channel and it's like darts is a big thing they got crowds you know they're I wouldn't. I wouldn't want this for wrestling, but people are drinking. They're like, you know, it's it's crazy. It's a spectacle, and I think wrestling yeah. needs. You know, we need to get out of ourselves. We need to stop yeah. doing what we've been doing for a hundred years, and we need to start thinking like, look at why is MMA able to come in in the in the mid in the early nineties and surpass us? You know, mm-hmm. and 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 our main stars are going there, and they're getting more fan. They're getting more sponsorships, and honestly, I kind of put it on wrestlers as a whole too, for not marketing themselves better. You know, they're not, you know, 
and you were showmen. Yeah, they're not showmen, and you work with them. Like some of them are really difficult to like tie down to get them to commit to something, to like and and keep open communication with them. Yeah. You know, I I didn't know that until I until I did my event, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna pull my hair out. Like, how is this happening? <laughs> and then having the right people in place, also, you know, you know, having the right travel people, having the right, you know, this and that, so that they can follow through too. You know. It's it's a lot of things I think that people don't see, you know. But well, yeah, I, I think as as good as flow wrestling as as much as flow wrestling has helped the sport in for the hardcore fans, I think we need to get it on regular NBC, ESPN, because like I've said before, is if you have wrestling, the U.S. Open on ESPN. They're going to show those highlights on the highlight reel at 6 o'clock mm -hmm. and 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock and mm -hmm. whenever they're doing the sports thing. If yeah. it's not on ESPN, they're not showing those highlights. You're not going to even get those new people that are just clicking, trying to find something while they're watching ESPN. We need to put that, you know, that amateur wrestling league or whatever, buy that TV time on ESPN. That, that's money more well spent that you have 30 minutes or an hour on no. ESPN. Fernando, correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody says that somebody else should be putting money in, but how many people are saying, "I'll put in"? Well, I'll you got to look at from a from a business perspective. You got to look at the return on investment, right? Like, I mean, I think ESPN does a fantastic job of showing the NCAs because there's a return on investment there. The audience tunes in to watch that. I mean, whether it's online or it's on TV, they're committing to it, right? And I just, I hate to read some of those blogs that ESPN did a crappy job and they're not doing more. And it's like, they're doing as much as they can, man. They don't have to show it. They Dude, don't have to show I've it. I've seen every single match. I've seen every yeah, single match. I mean, you, you don't even have to, you don't have to, I don't even have to argue with my <laughs> wife about me going to the NCAs with my boys anymore. You know, I get to watch it from home. I work from home and then I throw a big party on, on Saturday, get all my boys over. We got a taco guy and we're all having a good time. It was better than actually being at the NCAs, but you know, that's not possible if the ESPN doesn't put it together, but there's viewership. And I just, I feel like, you know, how is it that the, high, the California Wrestling State Championships, the, it's the biggest gross revenue for CIF, but yet we, we don't have the participation in terms of basketball participation and people putting people in the stands, et cetera. But the CIF State Tournament is the biggest revenue maker. How is that possible? Man, that's another thing too. Like... <laughs> I was, I was talking with somebody about CIF. I, I, I'm kind of transitioning off to a different subject right here, but CIF regionals and stuff like that. We still don't know who's hosting what because of the state tournament moving and everything, but mm -hmm. these schools that host regionals don't get any money. They, 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 they get it. All they get is the so snap crazy. So CIF gets regional door and apparel. They get our section, door, apparel. Then they get the state, and now they have both of them at one venue. Like, but can't, I mean, should we be kicking these schools back some cash for running this? I mean, the snack bar alone, I mean, yeah, I guess it, you could if it's done right, but it's, I mean, they're going to have to do more to entice these people to, to start um, wanting to host because I think this year people are starting to get wise that you're not, it's not really worth it. The cheddar. Yeah. It's not, man. There's so much infrastructure. I was, you know, in the time that I coached at Santa Ana with Glab, he kind of took it upon himself to do that. 
and his thing was just to kind of have our lower levels kind of see CIF and you know not and for them to see and envision themselves but uh, you know they do a good job of putting state together I think you know moving into that arena is fantastic I would you know uh, this whole debacle of masters and what transpired last year that that's unnecessary you know like I can't believe that that happened but I just I think CIF needs to really show up and 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 show where they're spending their money how, you know why they're charging so much money and how it's going back to the sport um, and, and, or, or how it's being distributed equally throughout other sports. You know what I mean? There's other sports that are not making the money that wrestling does, but should we be sharing that? And if so, where's it going and, and what's the benefit for us? You know? Yeah. I mean, having, having a three day event now, you know, the door twice the, the, the population, uh, you, you know what, man, from my perspective, from my standpoint, my wife and I were talking about it. I'm like, it was the best thing that could have happened to our family because now <laughs> I don't have to drive. I don't have to drive to two different venues, two different weekends, you know, take all my kids, four kids, you know, now I go to one arena, three days. Mm -hmm. I'm done with it. Done with you it. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, man. On your side, you got girls masters over here and boys masters over here. Yeah. That's gonna be the hardest part, you know. That's I, you know, and we're, they we're, both we're, make I the mean, finals. They both make the finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Someone's gonna hate me for sure. That's for Someone's sure. gonna be mad you at like me. Them more. Yeah. You always like them more. <laughs> FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah, it's because he's a boy. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. No, that's it's just crazy. that's a nightmare. But all right, fellas. Well. We are already over an hour. Um, I appreciate you guys being on. Oh, one other thing, too, before I let you guys go. I think it's important that we discuss this because um, we're talking about the sport and growing the sport, things like that. Um, we always talk about what it takes to imp to build a program, right? What it takes to, to, to get numbers, what it takes to, you know, things like that. And it's always pretty much the same thing, right? You got to give them their own thing. You got to have the school supporting you. You got to have the parents supporting you, those kinds of things. But I don't think we ever talk about like how delicate that is, you know, how some schools are fighting an uphill battle, you know, and case in point, Coach Ramirez here. Um, I coached in the LAUSD when I was at Panorama. And despite the fact that we had success i mean in a matter of two years we had two state placers with kids who never never wrestled a day in their life had powerhouses like san fernando and birmingham in our in our section um we won it we won a section title once um and we still didn't get any love from the administration at all you know they they took away our room they uh the athletic director was a, was a handful um you know, I got told once because I wanted to have a zero period wrestling because I wanted the girls to be able to, to take uh, SAT prep classes and to get tutoring in the afternoon. I got told, uh, you know what, there's the door, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Coach Ramirez, I know, is kind of uh, experiencing that. And of course, he's not on now. Um, but I, I feel sorry for some of those programs that are fighting those battles. And if anybody is at that at right now fighting any of those battles, please let us know because I want to talk to them. I really want to cover that subject on, on a future podcast. So that topic and any other topic that anybody else wants to get covered, please let us know. Uh, we want to make sure that we, we cover what you guys want. Uh, I actually did some good get some good feedback this weekend, Josh. Uh, a coach asked me, what the hell is wrong with you guys? 
some of us have more time on our hands than others and we would like to have something more to listen to. So that was that was kind of cool. Uh, with when somebody asks me what the hell's wrong with you, it's usually something bad that I did and I have to Negative, explain yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so to have it on a good side, I think was 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 a nice change. So they, they wanted longer podcasts or more of them or what? They want more podcasts, more frequency. That's, so I thought, well, once the season good. comes around, once Fernando wants to come on some more, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm always we'll have, available, man. <laughs> we'll have people, we'll have some more, uh, content coming out, but, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, to comment, to comment on how to grow the sport, man, you know, I think, you know, and I get this from Scott Glab. He did a fantastic job of creating this, the champion yeah. type of mentality and environment at Santa Ana. And, Man, that guy got more love and more money than any other sport at Santa <laughs> High School. We were the biggest pain in the butt. It's ridiculous. But he always championed for us. And he only, he, the way he did it is he put the numbers where they were. You know, this is how many kids I have. This is how many kids, you know, are succeeding because of the sport. This is how many lives I've changed. I This community needs a sport, you know. And he would fight the good fight in the right way and not, you know, have that pumped your chest type of mentality and and he wouldn't take it over an answer he would always you know if he couldn't get the money for something he would fundraise and he would show the school district or the school officials and be like i'm going to do this with th with you or without you and you know what if you guys want me to kind of champion the school the way that i'm championing this program i need your support and then he's just started you know lobbying with powerful people man and those powerful people accepted the fact that what he was doing was was definitely benefiting the community and now man that dude's a legend he can oh, ask dude. for a bentley and he'll get it it's dude. crazy hall of fame freaking a book like that guy probably have a movie after himself pretty soon because for sure i remember the first time i knew anything about santa Ana high school i hadn't wrestled them you know until i was a junior in high school i got um uh, I lived in Whittier, but I went to school at Savannah and, um, I, uh, they, uh, Casper, I took us out to, um, to, to, to Santa Ana high school and, um, Randy Bowers and I drove over and we're, um, we go there and, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go takedowns, whatever. And I, I remember I hit this shot on this kid and I never in my life got hit with hips. Like I did my nose literally like exploded like it just like poof it was all over the place got takedown but um i remember like gosh what the hell they teach these kids then the next time i'm up it's this little freaking shit house and he had a mustache and this guy looked like he was 25 but he was only like 25 centimeters high and his name was roger santiago and yeah, i remember yeah. i remembered like going with him and ham fighting and it's the first time i ever had somebody grunt while I was wrestling him, like, like he, <clears throat> and I was like, this kid's freaking grunting, dude. And then he would, I mean, super hard to penetrate, but got in, you know, yeah. and then, uh, we were one and one in the off season. And then, uh, I remember I wrestled him at CIF, uh, constellation semis, my junior year, I dropped the semifinal match and I had to wrestle him. No, I wrestled him for third and fourth, wrestled for third and fourth. And, uh, I just remember that, that kid, man, every time I wrestled him, he was just a goer. You know, mm -hmm. I ended up two and one against him, by the way. But um, yeah, he went on and took second in state, and you know, had a good career. But uh, yeah, that, that's the first time I ever. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, you know, I think that's the best way to lobby for some for for something, whether it's revenue, support, 
um, you know, in, in that the coach, you really got to champion, you know, your, your community, your team. And, um, I just, I, I find it very difficult when you go in there and you pump your chest or the coach prior to you went in there and just kind of created this animosity or this divide of, you know, the, the school, the school officials versus the coaching staff and things of that nature. You just got to come in there. Like, it's like a, a, you know, like a relationship. You got to pick and choose and fight your battles. And when you're ready to fight the battle, you better have the right information in order for you to win that battle because if not, you're going to look silly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Too. I saw, oh, I don't see many posts from Pablo <laughs> because I can't, but um, he did post that um, Santa Ana College has only five wrestlers on the mat this weekend. Yeah, that, that's yeah. They're struggling over there, man. I don't know what's going on with Coach Silva. He's usually pretty good of having an amount of people. It's just, you know, uh, Josh brought up a good point. You know, this generation, you know, it, they, they don't want to work, man. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to put in the grind. And you know, that's one of the things as a father that it's probably the most difficult for me. You know, I have my oldest that's working out three times a day, and my youngest daughter Cookie that you know just. I have to get her off the mat and my son, you know, is just trying to, you know, getting the vibe from cooking and trying to do big things. And then I have my, my second oldest that will do the bare minimum, just, just, just the bare minimum. You know, she's just like, I wrestled for an hour. I'm good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Oh, you got to work, honey. You got to work, you know? And, and, um, and then, you know, for some people that's okay. And parenting is definitely hard, but you know, at the outcome, is you're 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 going to create these kids that go out in the real world and they're just not willing to put in the time and I and I feel that you know that's what's kind of hindering you know the amount of people that uh, the participate they they're signing up for for Santa Ana College. Yeah, and do you think it's her like just her personality or I mean she like that with soccer too or with with other sports or is it I mean. She, yeah, yeah. Well, with sports in general, I think, you know, she gets bored really easy, you know, um, but she'll read, she reads like there's nobody business. Like we have a full on library and in, in in a room in our house and she'll sit there and she'll eat and she'll read until like she, she can't open her eyes. And I'm just like, wow, that's that's crazy because my other kids don't read. You know what I mean? But she's an avid reader, like she'll read books. And it's funny because we'll be talking sports we'll be outside swimming and then we'll just hear a chuckle. She's reading a book and she read something funny and all of a sudden she's, she's laughing, you know, which is insane. Oh, poor baby. You got an intellect. Gosh. <laughs> oh man. That's I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm hoping my daughter follows through because my little one's like, I'm going to be an engineer like mommy. I'm like, yes, please. There you go. Smart one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But all righty fellas. Well, Hey, I appreciate you guys being on. This is probably our longest podcast so far. Definitely our most watched because uh, I've been watching the numbers as we're as we're going through, and they're they're pretty good. I could, so what happens when you have a superstar on there, huh, Fernando? It's like oh, stop it! Stop be, it. People want to burg, you know? They want to bask in reflective glory, and here we are. So anyhow, <laughs> right, Josh, hey, thanks again. I know you're joining us from uh, Anaheim Hills adjacent. We appreciate it, uh, <laughs> Fernando. We'll catch you taco together. Visit all right, man. Right, everybody yeah, else. No, thank no you doubt. guys for uh, for uh, joining us again. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. If you can, please subscribe to us. Give us five stars, even if you don't think we deserve it. Hook a brother up. All right. If not for us, That's at least right. for Fernando. All right. So this podcast <laughs> is pushing the top. All right. But thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. All right. Thanks. All right. Good night, you guys. Right, and we are out. Yeah.